Today's podcast is brought to you by Something Blue by Anita Kay, specializing in wedding and event photography. Visit her page on Facebook. For those in love, capture those memories with Something Blue by Anita Kay. The Unbridled Enthusiasm Podcast with Mark Pulo starts right now. We can't give them this much power in the cartoon world. A podcast, and I was told that if I did your podcast that I would, you know, advance to the next level. And we're podcasting and photographizing in front of the great... The worst gigs of their life are, are with, because of Mark Pulo's. <laughs> Anyone want a husband? Free free to a home. Now it doesn't even have to be a good home, just free to a home. Ladies and gentlemen, Andre the Giant would like to do his impression... Oh, Bully Nelson. Suck yourself dry! Alright. Hello, folks, and welcome back to the Unbridled Enthusiasm Podcast. I am Mark Poulos, and it's good to be back. Uh, today on the program, 15 years since 9 11. 15 years. And there's still a lot of questions out there. I, of course, as I usually do when I'm on the road by myself, I get into a, a downward spiral YouTube loop um, that usually involves conspiracies. Because I love a good who done it, and you know, Loose Change, Fahrenheit 9-11, all these movies, you know, they all pretty much cover all the same ideas. Um, today on the podcast, I'm going to talk about a few ideas that, uh, I wasn't even privy to until I went down, way down the rabbit hole into some of these YouTube videos and came across some information that I have never seen before. Um, I saw a PBS show a while back where they brought on um, all the guys that uh, did the conspiracy theory movies about 9-11 and supposedly, air quotes, debunked all of their theories because the big, the big theories about why people think that 9-11 was an inside job, the big theories that Loose Change and Fahrenheit 9-11 and and all these other movies bring up is the idea. Uh, I, I think the biggest point is Tower Seven. Um, you know, everybody remembers the Twin Towers going down, and you know, I'd say probably fifty percent of people realize that there was a third building that collapsed that day, which was uh, World Trade Center, Center Number Seven. Um, and the, the popular theory, or at least the theory that was, uh, given to us by the government and the 9-11 commission was that, uh, Tower 7 fell because of fiery debris from the other towers falling. And, uh, because it burned for a while, then that building collapsed. And the problem with all of those theories is, um... You know, one of the movies I watched on YouTube is... And, you know, one of the biggest theories that they go through is that they show um, all of these buildings around the country and around the world over the last 10 years, all steel-frame, concrete-reinforced buildings burning for hours and hours. 
and never collapsing. And um, literally in the history of high-rise fire buildings, the three buildings that fell on 9-11 are the only ones in recorded history to ever burn for a certain amount of time and then collapse in on themselves. That's a pretty interesting point, the fact that those three buildings are the only ones in recorded history that have ever burned and then collapsed in on themselves. Um, There's a lot of footage of both of the buildings. um, Because the idea of... Because the theory is, or at least the conspiracy theory that's out there right now, is that all three buildings were prepped prior to the attack. And prepped means someone went in there and wired all of the uh, support beams with explosives to weaken the building so that when the plane hit and the jet fuel burned, um, they would set off the charges and then bring the buildings down at a certain amount of time and all that jazz. So, you know, these are all kind of theories that have always been out there. You know, they show Building 7 next to, like, uh, casinos being demolished in Vegas, and they look almost exactly the same um, for a controlled demolition. You know, the, the idea behind it is, you know, the theory is, like, when a building goes down because of fire or structural damage... Um, and and the theory with the towers is the pancake theory where each floor, you know, gets velocity and weight and hits the next floor and then the next floor and then the next floor. And then before you know it, the building has collapsed in on itself, which is fine. Like I'll accept that theory, but the problem with it is sheer physics and just like common sense when the floor above hits the floor below, there's going to be a small, even millisecond of resistance till the next floor give, gives way. And they show the videos, and all three buildings are collapsing at free fall speed, which means it's not hitting any floors below it because each of the floors is gone when it gets there. And logic says the only way that that's possible is the floor is blown out before the next floor gets there. So people are like, well, I mean, come on. Uh, how, How would no one notice people coming in to those buildings with trucks and trucks of explosives and wiring everything. Here's the first point that I didn't know. And that was that there was an elevator renovation going on at that exact time. So workers would have been coming in. Um, There's also a recording of a lady who used to work for the CIA who said that there was 
in the weeks prior to 9-11, there was trucks and trucks pulling up to the Twin Towers and people were unloading boxes and boxes of stuff and, and you know, that's all well and good. Now everybody's like, that's fine. They're doing elevator renovations. They're bringing in boxes of whatever, sheetrock or equipment or whatever. That's fine, you know. Obviously, they're going to have to have credentials to get in the building because there's very strict security at any high-rise building, especially after hours. Well, here's point two that I did not know until I went down the rabbit hole. Um, The company that was in charge of security at uh, the World Trade Center complex was run by George Bush's younger brother, Marvin. And listen, coincidences happen, okay? Um, You know, did he get that contract because he was the president's younger brother? Was he given some concessions because he was connected to higher-up people? Or was he placed there because he needed to have you know, the Bush administration or the shadow government, as they call it, needed someone there that would allow the workers to get in there and do what they needed to do. Um, Who knows? But it's just such an odd thing to hear when there's this huge argument about how did they get into the buildings? How did they wire them? Um, And then you come to find out that George Bush's younger brother... Uh, is running security for the buildings. Now, other people argue, what exactly could they use uh, as far as explosives? And, you know, Jesse Ventura, all these people have talked uh, ad nauseum about nanothermite, which is this uh, compound that the government created... um, that can cut straight through molten steel, or straight through steel, making molten steel. Um, And here's another point I didn't know. I didn't realize that the people from the commission, or the people that did the 9-11 report, and other people from NIST, which was the company that kind of um, ran the, uh, the engineering of the whole thing for the report, kept denying that they ever saw molten steel anywhere. And that's an important point because the other thing that the conspiracy theories argue is that there's a very specific certain temperature that steel will not only melt, but become molten, like become lava. Like you're looking at a foundry of a giant, you know... uh, thing of, I don't even know the word, of molten steel, and there's like all these interviews with the first responders, the police and the fire, where they said that they were underground, and they saw like channels of molten steel just like running down the edges like it was lava, and people argue that those guys, you know, that they were actors, or they were paid by the conspiracy people to say what they wanted them to say. But the problem is there's, like, a bunch of video of, like, the North and South Tower where you can see molten steel, like, pouring out of the side of the building. 
So it's like, how is that even possible? But the other thing that I didn't know is these nanothermite things that um, they make them into shape charges, which are like these very small... And they can basically stick them anywhere and they will uh, cut through a support beam and blow out the floors underneath it. So, whatever. That's one point. It's, you know, that's been argued uh, ad nauseum. The other point that I never really thought about and um, was brought up in one of the videos that I was watching and it made a lot of sense to me is another thing that people argue is the fact that uh, on the day of the attack, George Bush is at a, uh, like an elementary school in Florida for some kind of an occasion. It was like reading to kids or something like that. So that's when the attacks start happening. And from the moment that he's told that America is under attack, because at that point they didn't really know much more than a couple planes that had run into uh, the Twin Towers. Um, At that point, it was still active. There were still planes that were missing. Um, They didn't know if they had um, nuclear weapons or dirty bombs or chemical bombs. All they know is two planes have hit the Twin Towers and a bunch of other ones are missing. And, you know, the guy whispers in his ear that America's under attack. And instead of immediately standing up and leaving, uh, he just sits there for like 45 minutes and doesn't do anything. And people look at that as evidence that he wasn't the guy calling the shots in his administration, that he was just a figurehead, um, in his presidency, that Dick Cheney and the shadow government were running everything um, because Dick Cheney was safely in the bunker, um, basically running the country because George Bush was, you know, at a school in Florida. Because people are like, listen, George, the, the people that, you know, argue the other point, they go, listen, he was at a school with children. Okay, he's not going to just jump up and be like, America's under attack and scare the shit out of all these kids. He sat there and just did nothing because he didn't want to scare the kids' feelings. Well, here's the problem with that. Um, His trip to Florida and where he was going to be was common knowledge for quite a while before he actually went there. So if I was a group of terrorists attacking America and I want to make a real big impact, wouldn't I go after the president who's out in the open and they know exactly where he is? Um, And people are like, well, the reason that he didn't leave or do anything was because, you know, they were orchestrating the whole attacks from from the bunker and, and they knew that he was going to be safe, so they just told him to stay there. You know, it's compelling arguments, but the other part of that is, which I had never heard either, was they had an interview with an engineer or um, someone from the cabinet that was actually in the bunker with Dick Cheney while the attacks were happening, or before the attacks 
I believe his interview was he was talking about before the the first plane had ever hit the building that he was with Dick Cheney and they were working on something like the budget or something because Donald Rumsfeld had come up the day before 9-11 to basically say that the treasury had lost 9.3 trillion dollars and they couldn't find it and it just so happened that the plane that hit the pentagon hit the uh, accounting office that was doing the review of the missing money that's something I didn't know either um anywho so they're in the he's in the meeting with Dick Cheney and he said he didn't put together till a lot later um this exchange that went down between Dick Cheney and like one of his lower some officer or something you know apparently while they were having the cabinet meeting this guy kept popping his head in and saying uh the plane is 10 minutes out it's 20 minutes out blah 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 and then the final thing that he said was uh you know the plane is a few minutes out he's right on course do the orders still stand or something like that and he said that dick cheney snapped his neck around and he said have you heard anything to the contrary of course the orders still stand and then like three or four minutes later the first plane hit the the first tower at 9-11 and people are like whoa you know it's like that's one guy you know I don't know why he would lie about something that big but you know people lie about smaller things than that you know but uh, you know it's just I don't know I just feel like there's a lot of stuff we don't know about 9-11. And, you know, there's a great video on YouTube. It's made its rounds on Facebook. (coughs) About 9-11 explained in under five minutes or something like that. And it talks about how, um, you know, they found the the terrorist passport completely intact like blocks from the the bomb site you know an entire plane vaporizes and they're still able to find the pilot's passport which is kind of a strange thing and um, oh and the other thing that I didn't know this this last point was you know, you just assume, you know, it's it's like a game of cat and mouse or uh, misdirection or whatever. You know, they, they tell you that these certain planes were, were hijacked and those exact same planes were the ones that were, you know, uh, run into the buildings. And then you have all these eyewitness reports from the day of saying that the planes that went into the buildings were like completely gray and had no airline markings on them at all you know they were uh, they were 
what people would say like a drone plane because it all the windows were blacked out it was completely gray and and there's multiple reports of that the day of um you know and then of course everybody changed their stories weeks after that because you know whoever got to them and and made them change their stories but the point that I didn't know is um and apparently it was pretty it was cleaned up pretty quick afterwards is that uh one of the planes went into the building and you know apparently hit it so hard that one of the engines flew off the plane and landed like on the street like blocks away from the building and this was before the building collapsed there's video of like the FBI taking pictures of this um this engine that came off the jet and of course people like slowed it down and and you know examined the specs on the engine ad nauseum and came to the conclusion that that was not an engine from the certain plane that was hijacked from uh from Dulles International Airport. Oh, and that was the other thing, too. Um, that Bush's younger brother's security company was also in charge of security at the airports where the planes were hijacked from. So stick that in your cap. Um, anyways. So they got this engine. It doesn't match the plane, so that's another thing. And, and you know, people argue the shape charge thing where they're blowing the the floors out because that was another this is kind of the last point I'll make is people are like well if the planes didn't bring down the buildings that it was a uh, uh, controlled demolition of all the buildings and they were wired with explosives and how, how did we not hear the explosions going off that day as the planes were coming down? Because the explosions are pretty loud. You can't really hide them. And there's like hours and hours and hours of video of firemen and police and people on the street talking about hearing all these secondary explosions. And I think the most compelling, the two most compelling pieces of evidence is... Um, that they show a picture of a building across from the World Trade Center where there's like a giant like 30 foot tall piece of this uh, webbing steel from the, the Twin Tower literally like jabbed into the building across from it like like a giant sword like it got blown out the side of the building and just jammed into the one across from it and you're like how is that even possible you know but the other big point is that they have video of the first responders showing up to the lobby area of one of the twin towers and the plane had just hit the building um there was obviously debris coming down from the upper part of the building and the firemen enter the lobby, and the lobby looks like uh, Beirut, like a bunch of bombs went off in the lobby. The windows are, you know, shattered out. There's, uh, you know, shit's all fucked up down there. And people argue, well, like, that was a shockwave from the plane hitting the building on the 87th floor, the 100 and whatever floor. And it's like, it's just not possible, you know? 
I think after the credits, I'll put I'll put that five minute uh, video of nine uh, eleven explained in under five minutes. It's a it's an interesting listen, you know. And um, obviously, it's a little visual, so if you have time, go to YouTube and check it out. Um, but you know, I think there's just a lot of unanswered questions about nine eleven, and I think the biggest question this one I'll finish up on is why. Why would they do such a thing? Well, apparently, uh, I don't know if it was Snowden or WikiLeaks or something, but they came across, like, um, you know, a bunch of literature and memos and stuff, supposedly from the uh, shadow government, and uh, the whole idea of it is that they basically want a one-world government and a one-world currency, and they want to control everybody, they want martial law, they want this, that, and the other thing, but, you know, it's all the same shit over and over again, but the interesting point about the the couple memos that they found was that they wanted to destabilize the Middle East, they wanted to get all these dictators out of position, they wanted to gobble up all the resources down there, and, you know, the pro- the the process that, that they were on at the time, according to whoever this memo was, was taking too long, like it wasn't going fast enough for their liking, and they said that uh, the only thing that would basically move it faster would be some kind of cataclysmic event that would... Uh, you know, solidify the world against the Middle East and, you know, cause this unrest and, you know, create this, whatever they call it, a caliphate in ISIS um, to basically be like little bedbugs that show up everywhere and like cause havoc and, and scare the shit out of people. And, um, you know, apparently the, uh, the whole cop shooting thing and the and the anger against police is all a part of it because there's going to be you know some giant event where it becomes uh, citizens against police and then the police are going to get militarized and uh, call it a um, martial law and, and it will be chaos. So that's what we got to look forward to. So I'm glad I could uh, brighten your day. (laughs) Uh, Who knows if any of this shit is real. It's just, you know, sometimes coincidences are coincidences and sometimes they're not, you know. But, you know, obviously there's a ton of shit happening behind the scenes that the normal person is not privy to. And you watch the... Jimmy Kimmel and Comedy Central videos about the people supporting Trump, Um, and you can see why the government doesn't tell us everything, because those guys are nuttier than a bag of rocks, but uh, yeah, I would just say keep your eyes open, keep your ears open, ask questions, don't take everything on face value, you know, Um, do your own investigating, watch the videos yourself, you know, read up on it, learn about the shit if you're interested in it, you know, and and it's, you 
can do your own personal uh, making a murderer and try to come up with the answers. Maybe film a little documentary, make a couple bucks. Anywho, I appreciate you listening to the podcast and my ramblings. You can always get it at Podbean and iTunes and Stitcher, uh, wherever podcasts are. Uh, check out largedrunkman.com uh, for uh, my upcoming tour dates. And yeah, check out uh, check out everything. Why not? I got YouTube. I got. Twitter, I got Facebook, and uh, you know, tune in next time when we talk about. On the morning of September 11, 2001, 19 men armed with box cutters directed by a man on dialysis in a cave fortress halfway around the world using a satellite phone and a laptop directed the most sophisticated penetration of the most heavily defended airspace in the world. Overpowering the passengers and the military combat trained pilots on four commercial aircraft before flying those planes wildly off course for over an hour without being molested by a single fighter interceptor. These 19 hijackers, devout religious fundamentalists who like to drink alcohol, snort cocaine, and live with pink-haired strippers, managed to knock down three buildings with two planes in New York. While in Washington, a pilot who couldn't handle a single-engine Cessna was able to fly a 757 in an 8,000-foot descending 270-degree corkscrew turn to come exactly level with the ground, hitting the Pentagon in the budget analyst office where DOD staffers were working on the mystery of the $2.3 trillion that Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld had announced missing from the Pentagon's coffers in a press conference the day before, on September 10th, 2001. Luckily, the news anchors knew who did it within minutes. Osama bin Laden. The pundits knew within hours. Osama bin Laden. The administration knew within the day. Terrorists who committed these acts and those who harbor them. And the evidence literally fell into the FBI's lap. That a hijacker's passport was found blocks from the World Trade Center crash site, if you can believe that. But for some reason, a bunch of crazy conspiracy theorists demanded an investigation into the greatest attack on American soil in history. That investigation was delayed, underfunded, set up to fail, a conflict of interest, and a cover-up from start to finish. It was based on testimony extracted through torture, the records of which were destroyed. It failed to mention the existence of WTC-7, Able Danger, P-TECH, Sibel Edmonds, OBL and the CIA, and the drills of hijacked aircraft being flown into buildings that were being simulated at the precise same time that those events were actually happening. It was lied to by the Pentagon, the CIA, the Bush administration, and as for Bush and Cheney, well, no one knows what they told it because they testified in secret, off the record, not under oath, and behind closed doors. It didn't bother to look at who funded the attacks because that question is ultimately of little practical significance. Still, the 9-11 Commission did brilliantly answering all of the questions the public had, except most of the victim's family members' questions, and pinned blame on all the people responsible, although no one so much as lost their job, determining the attacks were Failure of imagination. Because Nobody in our government, at least, and I don't think the prior government that could envision flying airplanes in the buildings. Except the Pentagon, FEMA, NORAD, and the NRO. The DIA destroyed 2.5 terabytes of data on Able Danger, but that's okay because it probably wasn't important. 
The SEC destroyed their records on the investigation into the insider trading before the attacks, but that's okay because destroying the records of the largest investigation in SEC history is just part of routine record keeping. NIST has classified the data that they used for their model of WTC7's collapse, but that's okay because knowing how they made their model of the collapse would jeopardize public safety. The FBI has argued that all material related to their investigation of 9-11 should be kept secret from the public, but that's okay because the FBI probably has nothing to hide. This man never existed, nor is anything he had to say worthy of your attention, and if you say otherwise, you are a paranoid conspiracy theorist and deserve to be shunned by all of humanity. Likewise him, 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 and her, and her, and her, and him. Osama bin Laden lived in a cave fortress in the hills of Afghanistan, but somehow got away. Then he was hiding out in Tora Bora, but somehow got away. Then he lived in Abbottabad for years, taunting the most comprehensive intelligence dragnet employing the most sophisticated technology in the history of the world for a decade, releasing video after video with complete impunity and getting younger and younger as he did so, before finally being found in a daring SEAL team raid which wasn't recorded on video, in which he didn't resist or use his wife as a human shield, and in which these crack special forces operatives panicked and killed this unarmed man, supposedly the best source of intelligence about those dastardly terrorists on the entire planet. Then they dumped his body in the ocean before telling anyone about it. Then a couple dozen of that team's members died in a helicopter crash in Afghanistan. This is the story of 9-11, brought to you by the media which told you the hard truths about His head could be seen to move violently forward. And They took the babies out of incubators. And Mobile production facilities. And The rescue of Jessica Lynch. If you have any questions about this story, you are a batshit, paranoid, tinfoil, dog-abusing baby hater and will be reviled by everyone. If you love your country and or freedom, happiness, rainbows, rock and roll, puppy dogs, apple pie, and your grandma, you will never ever express doubts about any part of this story to anyone. Ever. This has been a public service announcement by the friends of the FBI, CIA, NSA, DIA, SEC, MSM, White House, NIST, and the 9-11 Commission. Because ignorance is strength.